You are listening to the Commerce Insights with Woman podcast, where inspiring industry experts share their experiences and insights with us. Welcome to another episode of Commerce Insights podcast by Wolman. Today with me, I have a special guest all the way from Chicago, Jess Shervellon. You're the head of customer experience at Feastables. Welcome to this podcast. How are you today, Jess? Good. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, my last name is actually Servion. <laughs> Oh my. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm trying to pronounce it. It's the, the typical European error. Sorry about that. Honestly, it's, to- it's absolutely fine. I just really, um, nobody knows how to pronounce it. So I just always take that opportunity to make sure everybody knows what it is. So to the audience, Jess Servion. Servion, great. Thanks. Uh, Jess, would you kindly introduce yourself and, and also tell a bit about uh, your role at, at Feastables? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm Jess. I, by day, I am head of customer experience at Feastables. Um, and part-time, I also am a brand experience consultant for many other CPG brands, as well as a co-host um, of my own podcast, Oopsie Podcast. Great. Could you kindly introduce uh, Feastables as a brand? As there might be some who aren't that familiar with it, especially here in Europe. Um, yeah. According to you, what makes Feastables that special? Yeah, so Feastables is um, a better for you snack company, but we are a better for you snack company that was founded by Mr. Beast, um, one of the world's largest uh, following and YouTube influencers who has a large following. So um, that is, you know, something really awesome (laughs) that we were founded by Mr. Beast. But really what makes our brand very special is the fact that we are trying to change the snack game and um, make better for you snacks for that like Gen Z gamer generation. Awesome. I absolutely love it. Um, How does Feastables leverage technology to understand and respond to customer needs in real time, a critical factor for success in in D2C uh, business model? Yeah, well, I think this question is like a little bit heavy loaded because um, I, you know, from a customer experience standpoint, uh, my background is actually SaaS. So I have like traditionally have run like a lot of tech support teams. But the reason that that's really important is because when I like looked at like customer experience and like what our go to market plan was going to be for servicing like such a mass following, um, I you know, at least in the customer experience side of things, I decided to be very tech heavy and automate as much as possible. So then that way, like we can get out um, in front of like the tickets that are, you know, very low hanging fruit, like where's my order, product information, and like allow for opportunities for like our agents to actually have like human humanized experiences with our customers. So that's like one technology um, usage that we have is um, we have very robust chatbots, both on like our website as well as in our SMS channel. And then second, you know, just as a brand and traditionally and as a whole, um, we're very much about gamifying that experience, you know, play a game with us, take an action, learn about our brand and earn a reward of Maybe it's a discount, maybe it's a giveaway, maybe it's just the award of access to 
a product that isn't readily available. But that gamifying experience is very like technology heavy. Um, we've put out games like rock, paper, scissors. We've put out um, <laughs> spin the wheel stuff. And like this, you know, this audience just loves it. Like there's takes a lot of a lot of prep work to do things like that. <laughs> I love it. And I, this is actually what quite many like CPG brands would love to do. And you are actually doing it. So congrats for that. Uh, um, uh, then we heard that sort of like the pandemic era accelerated D2C trend, especially in CPG industry. So from your perspective, Jess, how have brands adapted D2C strategy during the post-pandemic era uh, amidst the prevailing uncertainties as, as you are also helping other brands, not just festivals? Yeah. So I think what's really interesting about like consumer behavior is, you know, when we were in the pandemic, we shopped, we shopped online, right? And like you were really, you really just, you know, tried on a product or tried a product based on like an ad that you might have seen on like social media, or, you know, you maybe just naturally have like already been using like whatever product, right? And like, um, and I think, I think that still exists. I think that online e-commerce still exists, but I think that now in that post-pandemic era, people want to physically touch a product in store sometimes. Like I think what happens between the D2C to into retail is that D2C is very your digital experience. It's your brand experience. So it's what's really important for all brands, not just Feastables, not just like the brands that like I've helped is understanding that brand experience and utilizing that your website for, um, to really be that kind of touch and feel of your product, but also to build like loyalty with your customer, build um, that that trust and that relationship with your customer online. So like, I mean, there's plenty of tactics that I can like say here, but for instance, you know, it's not, it's not just like life cycle and retention marketing anymore. It's about educating your customer in a digitally na native environment. So whether they're purchasing from you online or they're like going to a retailer to then purchase your product, they're walking into either one of these situations, understanding your product and ha already having a loyalty to your product. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Makes lots of sense. And I love the way how you described it in, in detail. And actually, it's very much related to the next question I would have. It's like, given the fierce competition in D2C market, what unique value proposition does Feastables offer to its cons uh, consumers and, and end, uh, end customers? Yeah, I mean, I think I kind of like answered this already. But to be honest with you, it's it's the gamification portion of it. It's yeah. really, it's like the value prop isn't just like the snacks, right? It isn't just about, oh, okay, like I've tried this product and I've eaten this <laughs> product and I want to keep coming back. The value proposition is about like the gamifying experience, the gamification experience, right? It's about, it's about that relationship building that we've built on like an online environment. Right. So whether that's our website, whether that's in our social channels, whether that's um, a part of our discord or just even like in, you know, the support side of things, building those relationships. And I think, I think that's my, I mean, I, not even just like for Feastables, I think that's the value proposition for a lot of brands is that relationship building in a digital digital experience as well as, and then for Feastables in particular, I think it's a gamified experience. Yeah. Uh, a direct question there, Jess. 
how do you find, find the encouragement to do that? Uh, so many brands are probably thinking about gamification and all of these, uh, but they don't have the guts to do it. So uh, any yeah. advice there? Yeah, I mean, I think Feastables, because it's related to Mr. Beast and like his entire you know, ethos is about giving back. So like giveaways and in, in sweepstakes are, are very much like a part of that brand experience. But I think if you take one step further and you're not even looking at it like a creator brand or festivals in particular, I think that like, a, you know, a smaller brand that's maybe up and coming or even like a brand that has been established, I think that there's plenty of ways that you can gamify that experience. And it's not just about giving a discount away. It's about just general engagement. And so what I mean by that is like, here's like a hot tip right? Like take your SMS list. And instead of being like, Oh, okay, here's a BOGO deal to, you know, buy one, get one free. Why don't you start a two way conversation with that customer? So maybe it's like, Hey, I have this coffee brand, right? I have this coffee brand. And did you know that where our beans are, are sourced from? Like, you know, and if it's a yes answer, then it's like, oh, that's awesome. Continue down a pathway of like maybe another, another conversation about like the product. If it's a no, that's a, that's an educational opportunity. Right. And like, and I know, and like, that's not that gamifying experience isn't necessarily about like, do this and I'll give you this back like in a monetary aspect, it's do this and I'll give you the information back. I'll give you the information back. So then like, you're more likely to remember the information about my brand. So like, I don't think that, I think when people look at gamifying things, I think they're, they always think of it as like a sweepstakes or a giveaway, or I have to like give away some sort of my revenue or my profits. Right. But I don't think you have to think about it that way. I think you think about gamifying as like an engagement channel. Love it. And the interaction part, I think that that blew me away. So really good advice. Thanks, Jess. Um, then moving on to another topic that is somewhat related to D2C e-commerce is, is data. So as example, how has Feastables used customer data from its D2C channel to innovate or refine its product offering? And would you have any concrete examples on this? Yeah, I mean... Of course, you can get like basic data, like email or like, you know, maybe some demographic information from like your Google Analytics or whatever it is, right? And like, these are all assumptions based and like, you can definitely utilize that, that information to like for R&D perspectives or, um, you know, just uh, like marketing plans, right? But I think if you take it one step further and like, I I personally think that uh, something that is very highly underutilized is the feedback that you're getting from your customer, from a product review, from a customer satisfaction survey, from an MPS survey, right? Like these are all like different channels that a customer tells you about like what they think about that product, right? What they think about that product, what, um, what types of attributes of that product that they they enjoyed, they didn't enjoy. And I think it's very important to take that data and actually build out a feedback loop. So like taking it even further back, I started this conversation with you telling you that like my previous experience is actually in SaaS. And in SaaS, like when you're looking at like a SaaS product, right? And you're saying like, okay, I've put out this feature of this product. Let's see if my, if my audience likes this. And if they don't, 
Like, let's get feedback and then take that back to the engineers and devs, right? So it's that same type of concept, though, of taking the product reviews, taking your customer satisfaction, your MPS, and any of the, or your channels where your customers are giving you information and feedback um, to then develop out a feedback loop to then bring that back to whether it's like, how do we, how do we better market to people? What channels are our customers really naturally on? Um, from an R and D perspective, like what attributes, did they like the taste? Did they like the quality? Did they like, did they have a bad shipping experience? Like these are all, this is all information and data that your customers give to you that you can then feedback loop into the rest of your company in all aspects of your business. Awesome. Otherwise, can't say any more. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> um, so if we look at the CPG sector as, as a category, so consumables, um, it appears that US is ahead of Europe, especially when we are talking about D2C. To what factors would you attribute this disparity and what can Europe learn from the US to, to catch up here? Honestly, I think that's a really tough question because like you have to think that not even just like Europe, Australia, Asia, like all like, you know, every continent has a different type of consumer and then your consumer behavior is different. So like, for instance, here's a very like black and white example, right? We sell cookies in the U.S., right? And we sell like maybe like a doughier cookie that's like a softer um, you know, doughy experience, right? But then in the U.K., you, you would like more that I'm not saying not you, but like that consumer likes more of a biscuit type of texture. Right. So I think my best advice, honestly, and I, I feel like everybody's going to agree with this, but like, I honestly think it's a really hard thing to, to really answer straightforward because I think every consumer in these markets will react differently. And so my best advice is under in from like our perspective in the U S and then moving into like a global, um, is we're looking at all of our markets as a different type of consumer and trying to develop out a more localized experience. So I know I gave an example of like the food product to a food product, but let's, let's take that as like a digital experience, right? So what, like thinking about your consumer, even from like the reverse of like Europe back to the U S U.S. is very tech forward. I, I understand the whole world is tech forward, but they're very tech forward. It's like very, that consumer is like always on their phone. They don't really take a break. There's not really ho- a lot of holidays, right? So it's like, you know, Europe back to the U.S. If you're marketing, like, and I'm, you develop out a digital experience, develop out a gamification because a U.S. market is going to, could, going to really love that, right? Whereas like the reverse aspect of that U.S. to like Europe, not like, I think a lot of people are definitely on their, their phones and they're on their computers, but I think a Europe consumer is more likely to take a break than a U.S. consumer. So maybe it's not like doing a full-on gamification campaign. Maybe it's just doing a tidbit of a cam- of a gamifying campaign. I, I, I know it's not like the most straightforward answer, but my point is, is like, think about every single country every as, as a different type of consumer, like a, a new go-to-market strategy every single time. 
It's a really good advice. Thanks, Jess. Um, and given your ex experience, uh, what is your outlook for the future of D2C, especially in this like CPG industry? And also, where do you see feastables in the future landscape? What, what's happening on the market? Yeah, I think in the marketplace as a whole, like going back to that kind of post-pandemic um, question, actually, I think the consumer really loves a good package. They really love a good design. They really love a good experience with your product, right? And I think that in the D2C landscape, it's really like easy to, I wouldn't say easy, nothing is like easy, but you know what I mean? It's like easier than retail, right? To launch a product on a website and develop out an experience like in that that digital experience and brand experience um, in in D2C. And I think like what I'm seeing more and more of in the D2C landscape is in like, you're not just putting out a, like a website with like a hook and like add to cart and then, okay, cool, call it a day. You're you're doing a digital experience. You're meeting your customers in like different, different channels and you're looking at these different channels and like different communication styles. So I think that's, that's the landscape that I see for D2C is like it evolving into like a more even further down the digitally native pathways. Um, and I think with like Feastables, it, we're, you know, we're thinking about that concept the same, but tradition, like, I wouldn't say traditionally, sorry. Um, I, we're thinking about that concept the same way, but we're also thinking about like, as we expand more into like retail markets, how do you bring that customer back to your digital experience and not just necessarily for purchasing for an actual digital experience in a brand loyalty build. That's like, that's what the future mapping is, is like how, like when I'm on the shelf at a retailer, how do I bring them back to my D2C world? Really good. And I love it because that's also related to my next question. There is one fellow guy who is also originally from Chicago, Andy Dunn, and and Andy Andy had something to do with Bonobos, and 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 he was the one that started talk about D two C and digitally native vertical brands and and all of all of that that part. And they also had like not only online presence but were selling in, in brick and mortar as well. Yet. Many brands after that had only like digital focus. So Jess, how has the role of physical retail stores evolved for Feastables given the increasing in phases of, of D2C sales? How do you see the balance? Should brands go retail? Is the hybrid business model here now yeah. for the future? What's your take? Tough questions. I, I think my take is going to be very from a customer experience point of view, because I think it's like, I think it goes back to like, how do you bring your customer from the shelf back into like your website to like understand, not even just your website, like back into your community, right? Back into your community to understand your brand, to understand, to build loyalty with them, right? I think like, you know, in those hybrid markets, I think it's really important to like, not just think about it like, okay, cool. Like I'm a D2C brand. I just launched in retail, like tight. Love that. <laughs> I'm going to get all my data and get all my information from that retailer because you're not. So I think what it's really important as you, as a brand becomes that hybrid nature is how do you, again, how do you feedback loop? How do you understand what's happening on that shelf with your customer when you can't control that customer anymore? So, I mean, you know, hot take, I think 
developing out in like your packaging some sort of way like maybe it's a qr code maybe it's like an email address maybe it's like a a fun you know saying on your packaging that's going to bring them back to your digital experience whether that's in social whether that's on the website but like it's going to bring you back to like what's happening in your digital experience so then you can collect data on that customer to then key and continue to r d your product continue continue to you know brand develop right i think so again, like my perspective is very from a customer experience point of view, not from a support point of view. I mean it in like a understanding that retail experience and bringing them back into areas where you can capture as much data as possible and being creative in those ways. And I, and I don't think it's just, okay, you have to go out and like, like we do a QR code and honestly, most brands that I can solve for, like I suggest a QR code because it's just so easy to like capture data, but maybe you can't go and like do new packaging, right? But what yeah. you can do is like, there's maybe ways to like do a digital coupon on like a social site to then drive that, that purchase into retail. But then you're, you're driving, you're creating a loop between like social and retail and back to, back to your site. You know, it's like, it's important to just, create that kind of like feedback and customer loop and don't just think like, Oh, okay, cool. Went to retail tight. Like we're done, you know, <laughs> fully agree there. And I love the QR code. That's a really nice, uh, nice, nice example. Uh, just in your opinion, how essential is personalization in D2C model and how does Feastables approach this aspect or, or any other brands that you are working with? Can you repeat that one more time? So, so yeah, sure. So in your opinion, how essential is personalization in D2C business model and how does Feastables approach this aspect or if you have any other examples you want to share with us? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think this is going to go back to like this chatbot that like I developed out because... You know, we developed out like a web, a web bot, and then we put that into like our SMS channel. And it's not just saying like, oh, hey, Jess, it's saying like, pick your own pathway, pick your own pathway. And I'm not just giving you like um, a pathway of like, okay, I'm a bot that comes up and just says like, oh, go down like this order tracking pathway. And like, here's some very basic FAQs, like our our entire like chat bot structure is like kind of like a pick your own adventure type of thing. Um, but the reason like, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because that's a level of personalization for us, right? Like those interactions show us what our consumer's behavior is. It shows us that like, oh, maybe like this amount of traffic is really interested in product info and like these specific modules in that product info, or this, this amount of traffic is really interested in like our random engagement channels about exchanging jokes, right? So that's information for us to like, say like, oh, maybe we should put more Easter eggs in like our product or our website or social channels or like whatever it is. Right. So like, I think, I think it's not just about personalizing an email to say, Hey Jess, it's personalizing like your journeys through your brand based on like what your audience likes to do. If that makes sense. So like, and I'm using this like chatbot as like one very tiny example, but I think that you can use that same type of concept through a marketing campaign even of like, okay, I know that, you know, 
let's just say 80% of traffic is like mobile, right? So yeah. why can't, so I should be like doing more SMS um, campaigns than over email campaigns, right? It's like understanding like your consumer and where they are and personalizing their journey and their brand experience, like to what channels they're actually utilizing with you. That's the way, that's the level of like a high level of like personalization that like I think of and like, and how I build out brand experience. Really good. And love those concrete examples that you, you just share with our listeners. Love it. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go with my final question of today. Uh, as we navigate through this post-pandemic era with, with, with high inflation in many countries and different uncertainties, we have a Ukraine war here in Europe and so on. How do you feel about the evolving role of commerce, particularly in D2C sector? What are some key trends you anticipate will shape the industry in the f- near future? You mentioned chatbots, but anything else? Uh, AI, something that will definitely change, AI. Change the game. <laughs> <laughs> definitely AI, my friend. I think that. Um, I mean, I think that that's like more of even a tech question than it is really a D 2 C question. I'll be like honest with you, but I think that you know, as you grow a D 2 C business, or even if it's a hybrid business or a retail business, whatever it is, like as you grow like a brand experience, right? the demands of the customer are just becoming higher and higher and higher. Even with like, if you're going to sell a product, let's say this, right? Like say this concept, you're going to sell, I don't know, this cup of coffee. Okay. This cup of coffee for, it doesn't look like coffee. It literally looks like chocolate milk at this point, (laughs) but it's coffee. I promise you. Um, so anyway, if you're going to sell this cup of coffee, right? For $10, let's just say $10, which is a really high price, but like it costs my business, you know, so much money, like, I don't know, let's just say like seven bucks to like make that cup, make that coffee, make all of like the, the items in it. Right. So I'm trying to make like a $3 profit so I can split it. But if I'm trying to convince my customer to buy that $10 coffee, that's a very high price for a coffee. That coffee better be like the dopest experience of my life and feel like caffeine IV. Okay. <laughs> But that's my point though, is if you're going to, if, if inflation is high and you're selling a product for like a, like a higher amount, explaining to that customer on why they need it and really speaking to their wants, their feels, their consumer behavior is going to be your utmost priority. But what also happens is because of the world that we work in, we don't have as many resources as, as we once did, right? Like we can't overhire, we can't have people like, you know, hanging out and waiting for a task to happen. But what you can do is you can embrace the technologies that are ahead of us. So like I'm bringing this back to AI and like what, what you can do. So I think that like embracing AI and like helping, you know, maybe it's like helping you write a really dope campaign on why to buy that, like that coffee, right? Or maybe it's utilizing AI to really understand your consumer's behavior in a very quicker fashion to then be able to take that information back to your marketing team or back to your supply chain team, whatever it is, right? Uh, So like, I know I'm like kind of rambling, but my point is, is that as the world and the market continue on and inflation and all these things, you have to really think about what are the best ways to be scrappy. And I think one of the, one of the biggest, um, resources that we have today is actually embracing AI and trying to utilize it into like a lot of 
your normal activities. I'm not saying it's going to replace jobs by any means, but what I am going to say is it's going to help you action things a lot quicker and speak to the high demands of your customer. I fully agree on that. And, and I love the analysis. You, you covered actually four different topics there. So <laughs> that was, that was fabulous. <laughs> I just ramble is the problem. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it's was really good. Uh, Jess, uh, we want to thank you for, for your time. Uh, and I know that there are definitely many listeners who want to find out more about what you do. So how can they reach out? Uh, where should they, where should they reach out to you and tell me, tell me more about your podcast as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, first and foremost, I am on mentor pass, so, um, you could book a time with me. Um, additionally, you can find me on LinkedIn, Jess Servion. I will put it in the show notes because I know it's a very complicated last name to spell. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, third, I also have my own website, JessServion.com. And from there you can see about, you know, my brand experience consulting business, as well as, um, a link to my podcast, Oopsie Podcast. It's a really fun time on my podcast. We (laughs) talk about a lot of these things, but we make it a good time. (laughs) I'll definitely check it out. Uh, and Thank you so much for being with us, Jess. Uh, wishing you a nice time in Chicago and tune in for a next episode of Commerce in, uh, Insights Podcast next Monday. Take care. Bye. Bye.